Good morning, my patriot friends. Welcome to My Patriot Brain, the show that explodes your cortex with conservative values. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Mather. Today is Monday, January 22nd, 2024. I'm coming to you from behind the MPS Behavioral Science Analytics microphone here on an icy day in Oklahoma City. Thank you for downloading this episode. My Patriot Brain is recorded live and published twice a week every Monday and Thursday morning on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcast. The show is also available on many of your other favorite listening platforms. You can follow My Patriot Brain on Spotify. You can share the show with your friends, your loved ones, your family members, your enemies, and anyone else you can think of who needs inside My Patriot Brain. Go to my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com for free content and social media links where you can follow me on Locals, Truth Social, Rumble, and YouTube. My Patriot Brain is sponsored by GadstonOne.com. Gadston, preserve the founding. Uh, professional football, we've got playoff games. We're getting uh, narrowed down. The Chiefs won last night. Uh, we're, we're working our way towards the Super Bowl uh, game, which will be in, I think, mid to late February now. It's gotten pushed back from late January. Uh, anyway, keep an eye on that stuff. Professional basketball in the National Basketball Association. The Oklahoma City Thunder are 29 and 13. 29 13. 29 13. Uh, they're in uh, second place in the Western Conference. They defeated the Minnesota Timberwolves 102 to 97 on Saturday night. Timberwolves are in first place in the Western Conference. Uh, now the Thunder are one game back in Minnesota. Uh, the Thunder play the Trailblazers at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Men's college basketball, uh, NCAA. Uh, AP Top 5 um, is Hasn't been updated yet, so it's still UConn. AP is still UConn, Purdue, Kansas, uh, North Carolina, uh, and Houston. Uh, University of Oklahoma uh, is ranked number 15th still in the AP. Again, that'll update soon. Uh, it just hasn't updated yet. Uh, with 15-3 and record, 3-2 and in conference, OU defeated Cincinnati 69-65 to on Saturday. Uh, they overcame a 17-point deficit. Uh, or they didn't overcome. Uh, Texas Tech overcame a 17-point deficit. Um the, uh, so we'll get to Texas Tech in a second. Um, University of Texas plays at OU at 6 p.m. on Tuesday, uh, and so OU's got a great season going. Uh, they've got play Texas. They play Texas, and then they'll turn around and play Texas Tech on Saturday. Big 12 is pretty tough this year. A lot of ranked teams. Uh, Texas Tech is ranked number 25 again. Still, it'll get updated. Uh, they might move up. Uh, they've got a 15 and three record, uh, four and one in conference. Uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders are tied with Kansas State for first place. Uh, Tech defeated BYU uh, 25 to 20, or no, <laughs> at 85 to 78 on Saturday. Uh, Texas Tech's ranked 25. BYU is ranked number 20. Um, they uh, Tech overcame that 17 point deficit to win that game. Uh, it was really tempting to turn the game off, and I didn't because I thought, well, I can see Tech roaring back and winning this thing. Uh, sure enough, they did. Uh, it's Texas Tech has a 15 and three record right now. It's their best start since 2002, which was a season that I got to attend in person. Uh, Tech is 11 and 0, 11 and 0 at home uh, for the fourth time since 1996. And I would point out that there have been several. Let's see, 1996 I think was their Sweet 16 run, uh, and then they went to the Sweet 16 again in uh, a couple other times. Uh, and then of course Tech also played in the uh, national championship game in 2019. Uh, so great start for the program, um, kind of a historic level standard. I, this, the Tech team is, they're pretty good. They're pretty solid. They're learning how to play together as a team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how far they go. I think they've got the talent to go pretty far, um, but they're still learning how to play together as a team because they were all transfers that got put together at the last minute um, when we had a coaching change last year. So um, they're learning as they go, and if they're successful at it, they could go a long way. And if, if they're not, then they'll fail at it. But so far, they have been successful. Uh, professional hockey, your NHL division leaders are Boston, New York Rangers, Winnipeg, and Vancouver. Uh, 
Uh, the New York Rangers overall record is 28 and 15. Uh, Dallas Stars have a 27 and 13 record, and the St. Louis Blues have a 22 and 20 record. All right, so let's get to a little bit of politics. Uh, as you know, uh, Joe Biden has spent a lot of time in the basement um, since before he even began his election uh, of, of 2020. He, he's been kind of a puppet. Uh, they, they go through and uh, have him say whatever they have him read. Uh, they, they trot him out to do that kind of thing. Well, that's one of the things that Republicans who are very individualistic and, and very you know, of the mindset that, that we do our own things, you know, we're independent, um, we create success, we create failure, uh, that mentality. Republicans have that mindset. So Republicans see him as an absolute failure on that part. And that's, they see that as a vulnerability. Well, he's not really making the decisions. He's not calling the shots. He's just a figurehead. But the Democrats are socialist collectivists, right? So they think this is all okay. They don't have a problem with that. That's not, that's not a, a strike against Joe Biden. In their mind, they're like, hey, we can pick you up, man. We can do this. We're all a team. Uh, we're in this together and no one person should have all that power anyway. So the Democrats are fine with that. So that's not even a way to attack uh, Biden and the progressives and the Democrats. It's not a way to attack him to say that he's not the one calling the shots because they don't care. That's their whole game, right? It's socialism. Uh, Ron DeSantis uh, dropped out of the uh, presidential primaries. Uh, he endorsed Donald Trump. Uh, former Trump advisor Steve Cortez made a good point. I've now heard this several times since since Cortez made it, but he made a good point uh, that Kamala Harris is most likely going to serve out the next Biden term if there's a next Biden term. Uh, so that makes me think maybe the play here is to relentlessly attack Kamala Harris, right? So ignore Joe Biden. Don't even worry about him. Just don't even run against him. Don't even have ads against him. Have all the ads targeted against Kamala Harris uh, and make the election a referendum on her likability. You know, Trump actually wins that. So instead of you seeing you know, Biden-Harris, uh, you know, attack ads on Biden-Harris and Joe Biden this, Joe Biden that. Just ignore him. Pretend like he doesn't even exist. Make him irrelevant. That would drive them crazy, right? They're going to sit there attacking Trump and Trump doesn't even acknowledge that Joe Biden's the president and just attacks Kamala Harris. Uh, I think that the script has been broken uh, since 2016 and that allows us to do some very innovative things as far as campaigning, right? They're doing innovative things, right? Like the Russian collusion hoax and uh, multiple impeachments and uh, fanning the flames and possibly setting up a little bit of stuff on January 6th, all the things that the Democrats are doing. Uh, so, hey, we should we should think outside the box and maybe just attack Kamala Harris instead of letting her only be something that is an asset to her base. Just attack her constantly. Uh, Texas Highway Patrol uh, has announced that they will be arresting single adult men and women illegally crossing at Eagle Pass in Texas. Uh, this is a quote from Governor Governor Greg Abbott. Uh, the Biden administration not only refuses to enforce current U.S. immigration laws, they now want to stop Texas from enforcing laws against illegal immigration. I've never seen such hostility to the rule of law in America. Biden is destroying America. Texas is trying to save it. What's interesting here is that the Biden administration has been working so hard to keep Texas from enforcing federal law. The Biden administration wants to just let people come across. Texas needs to stop them coming into their state. And that's been, of course, I've, I've mentioned that on a, a number of times here on the show. That's been a big problem. Uh, the Biden administration recently claimed that Texas denied federal agents access to the border uh, in their attempts to try to save three illegal immigrants who drowned. Uh, this was the Texas Military Department statement, and Texas, I believe, is the only state that has a military department. Uh, Texas Military Department statement was that they were contacted by Border Patrol at approximately 9 p.m. in reference to a migrant distress situation. 
Uh, Texas Military Department had a unit in the vicinity of the boat ramp and actively searched the, the river with lights and night vision goggles. No migrants were observed. At no time did Texas Military Department security personnel uh, along the river observe any distressed migrants, nor did Texas Military Department turn back any uh, illegal immigrants from the U.S. during this period. Also, at no point was the Texas Military Department uh, made aware of any bodies in the area of Shelby Park, nor was the Texas Military Department made aware of any bodies being discovered in the U.S. side, on the U.S. side of the border regarding the situation. So basically, the Texas Military Department said, we think you're lying about all of this because we checked everything when you asked us to and there was nothing there. We think you made this up. Speaking of false flags, uh, Tucker Carlson uh, has proposed the idea that the federal government um, on January 6th, um, the federal government was the one that placed pipe bombs at the DNC and the RNC uh, as a false flag. Uh, I talk about this. I, there's a little bit of a discussion of this on my locals uh, in the subscription uh, area. It's plausible. I don't trust our government very much. Uh, it sure seems like they've been doing a lot of shady stuff. Uh, okay, so over the weekend, Biden, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, once again, over the weekend said, very presidentially, he said, and I love people who say the blood of liberty, excuse me, the tree of liberty is watered with the blood of patriots. Well, guess what, man? I didn't see a whole lot of patriots that are out there walking around making sure that we have these weapons. And if you really and if you really want to worry about the government, you need an F-16. So, again, wh why would we distrust the government when our president talks about killing his own citizens? That's kind of a theme of this government, right? Uh, all right. Congressman uh, Jamal Bowman, Democrat out of New York, uh, has called for a 14 trillion dollar federal reparations program. And so let's talk a little bit about Jamal Bowman's math. Jamal Bowman is famous because he's on the squad, right, with the, the super ultra progressives. Uh, and also the fact that he pulled a fire alarm to stop a vote and then he didn't go to jail for it like he should have. But here's, here's Bowman's math on the $14 trillion federal reparations program that he wants. Not just wants, he, he, made, a, he made a proposal uh, in Congress. So here's his math. He says, he says there's 42, and I'm assuming his gender, maybe he's not a he, I don't, I don't know. I guess I should ask him or her or Z or Zer or whatever Jamal Bowman is. Anybody who, who claims that the pronoun stuff is something that you've got to ask before you talk about it doesn't deserve to be called he, right? So Bowman's math, I'll say Bowman rather than his math, Bowman's math, 42 million African-Americans in the U.S. Make, making up 12% of the population, $333,000 per person to be paid out monthly in checks over 5, 10, or 20 years. Uh, this is coming on the heels of a federal commission to study reparations that was set up in 1989. So, ooh, ooh, I want in. I want in on this. So my, my grandfather went to a segregated minority high school where he was forced to go. So I'm talking about me, right? I'm not talking about Bowman. I'm talking about me. Like, I want in on this, right? So just make my $333,000 check out to support my Patriot brain. I promise I won't use the money that you send me and that you say that I'm entitled to uh, to promote my conservative ideology. I promise I won't use it to run for, you know, run all you progressives out of office. Uh, so yeah, just, just go ahead and send my check, right? Send in everybody their check. Uh, that sounds like a fantastic idea. So Jamal Bowman with a $14 trillion federal reparations program that he has proposed. Uh, that's in, in case you couldn't catch my sarcasm, that's a terrible idea. Uh, all right. So more DEI stuff. University of Michigan spends over $30 million on uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, the uh, 
that's that's in the higher ed, right? So University of Michigan, uh, Florida State, uh, their board of education is banning DEI spending at the 28 public colleges that are in the state of Florida. This would apply to quote any program, campus activity, or policy that classified individuals on the basis of race, color, sex, national origin, gender identity, or sexual orientation and promotes differential or preferential treatment of individuals on the basis of such classification. Uh, good for Florida for doing that and, and maybe kind of leveling the playing field for everybody at their university, at their universities, at their 28 public colleges. They're also going to replace principles of sociology, which was a required course, with a course on American history. The statement from the Board of Education uh, said, the aim is to provide students with an accurate and factual account of the nation's past rather than exposing them to radical woke ideologies, which had become commonplace in the new replaced course. Uh, again, kudos to them. But re I mean, really, the board used the word woke in their official statement. That seems kind of uh, not in, in line with the professionalism you'd expect from a board of education. Uh, but anyway, I like what they had to say about it. Uh, Florida Commissioner of Education Manny Diaz Jr. said higher education must return to its essential foundations of academic integrity and the pursuit of knowledge instead of being corrupted by destructive ideologies. Uh, good for Florida for trying to root out some of this stuff from their universities and get back to just educating. More higher ed stuff, I guess. Uh, student loan forgiveness. So, of course, student loan debts are very high because cost of higher education is very high because after the federal government started backing all of these loans for people, uh, then education became more accessible and it was going to get all paid off. So universities hiked up all the prices that's been going on for many, for decades. Biden administration approved $5 billion in debt cancellation for 74,000 student loan borrowers. Uh, the borrowers are mostly public sector workers they're teachers, firefighters uh, that get their loans waived after 10 years of public service. So, Nearly 30,000 borrowers are impacted uh, that have been repaying for at least 20 years. And that's a long time to repay on your student loan, right? Uh, there was always a program called the Public Service Loan Forgiveness. Uh, that program was always in place for this, but it was impossible to navigate. And I actually saw that uh, with public service people in education, in law enforcement, that qualified for the program, but couldn't get their loans paid off. And it was because there was tremendous, massive bureaucracy and, and inefficiency in the way that they went through things. And they would set it up in ways where basically the government would not respond to you. Uh, you know, they make you do a 10 different steps. And then if you don't, re they don't respond to you on one of them. And then they say, well, that was your chance. And you only get one chance to apply for this. So you're out. And that I, I never knew, I knew all sorts of people that qualified for the program and then never actually were able to get any of that money. Uh, I, uh, Congresswoman Kendra Horn, who did lots of progressive things that obviously I disagree with and that I know personally too, uh, that was one of her big things was trying to fix that so that that public service loan forgiveness program um, wasn't a dead end for people who actually qualified for it and should, you know, our first responders who should be getting their student loans paid off after 10 years of public service uh, and that that's, that was the deal that they had going in. And I thought that was very admirable of her um, for a legitimate problem to be pursuing, trying to fix that. So this one is kind of different than a lot of the other student loan stuff that have been floated around out there. This one's a little different. Uh, so think about what that was. Only 30,000 borrowers were impacted by this. 
who had replaced or 30,000 of them had been repaying for 20 years. So they've been paying on their loans for 20 years. That's two decades, 20 years, a long time paying on their loans for 20 years and had 10, at least 10 years of public service uh, they're working. And in this case, probably a lot of them had 20 years of public service uh, for that. So there's, but, but other than beyond that part of it, right? So that's a small segment. That's $5 billion of debt cancellation for people who actually had already qualified for that debt cancellation um, based on the current law of the land. I know that we're not big on, on uh, supporting and following and, and adhering to the laws of the land, which we see with immigration stuff. But in this case, that $5 billion of debt cancellation for those 74,000 student loan borrows, uh, borrowers was money that we actually owed them, right? Because that was the rules when they went in and they got their loans. But now the total is at $136.6 billion of student loan debt that was canceled for 3.7 million Americans under Biden. Most of it's not that public service loan forgiveness stuff that it was just the inefficiency of the government that led them to not get the money. So most of that, so that was only 5 billion of the $136.6 billion of student loan debt uh, that's been canceled. So you can, I think you can make a good argument that that five billion was money that was already owed to these first responders, teachers, uh, you know, firefighters, police officers, uh, who who had spent ten years in public service, and that program had been in place when they got their loans and was in place all along. They just the government was so inefficient and bad that they wouldn't give them their money. But that the rest of that is what one hundred and thirty one point six billion dollars of student loan debt that was canceled that doesn't have that type of argument for why that should have been the case. Uh, the Supreme Court actually earlier this year blocked his Biden administration's $400 billion student loan forgiveness proposal, where he's clearly trying to buy votes. Uh, other things he's trying to do, he's trying to do a lot of student loan forgiveness, such as forgiving student loans for the savings on valuable education plan. There, there's a lot of stuff here. Uh, but just remember this. Remember the people that want to forgive all the student loans are the same people who don't want parents to have vouchers for their own tax money to follow their kids across schools. Right. Those progressives, they want to forgive all the student loan debt, but they don't want you to take a voucher and have your kid go to a Christian school uh, or even to a different public school. Uh, that's what we're dealing with with the progressives. Right. Very, very self-serving. But we already knew that. I like to point that out whenever I see it, which is all the time. Uh, OK, so that was let's see. Let's go go to Florida. Uh, Florida released a report for their their state government titled Unlicensed Vacation Rentals. An analysis of Florida's tourism-driven economy. Senator Nick, uh, I'm not trying to mess up his name, uh, DeSigli, D-I-C-E-G-L-I-E, -E, uh, representative, um, or he's a senator. Uh, he's a senator uh, in Florida out of St. Petersburg. Uh, he proposed that, uh, he proposed Florida State Bill 289 uh, to regulate vacation rentals. So this would look at safety codes. Um, it would He says they would create predictable revenue for local governments. Uh, essentially, they've got a tourism industry and they think that they ought to be able to tax and, and get some revenue from some of those vacation rentals that are not currently being taxed. So he's a Republican senator, state senator uh, in Florida. And they say there's 137 million visitors to Florida uh, that came in 2022. That's a lot of people. 174,000 condos and, and dwellings are licensed as vacation rentals. Uh, that was a 33% increase over 2017. Currently, there, there's a minimum of 49,280 unlicensed vacation rentals in Florida. And the report claim the report claims, I don't know if this is true, and may, maybe it is based on 
how much they they tax and what they get. The, the, the report claims that just one day of unlicensed rental activity in November of 2023 could cost Florida $21.3 million in property taxes, licensing fees, local taxes, and registration costs. So they feel like these 47 or 49 point 49,280 unlicensed vacation rentals. They feel like those, uh, if they could tax them, just hit them with the taxes, even just for one day of work, which would bump them into the taxable category that they would get $21.3 million. And I feel like maybe they're trying to just plug the, uh, the, the woke Disney hole in their economy right now because they're losing out on money because of that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Senator DeSigli is a Republican. And, and so you got to love it when Republicans come in and decide they want to uh, regulate new industries and regulate business and tax. Right. So he's a, he's currently a, apparently based on this, he's a pro pro business regulation, pro taxation Republican. Uh, got to love that. Okay. So speaking of making it hard to have a business um, like Florida's doing, so today's main topic is going to be uh, from Harvard Business Review by Keenan Fickrey and Daniel Newman, how the pandemic rebooted entrepreneurship in the United States. So startup businesses lead to job growth. Uh, they lead to productivity. Um, the number of startup of new startup growth, new startup growth, the number of new startup companies uh, in an economy uh, are an indicator of net job creation across the economy. It's a, it's a strong indicator of that, or at least has been traditionally. Uh, the number of new firms in the U.S. fell by 20% during the Great Recession. Uh, it did not recover after that. It peaked in the late 1990s and fell in the in the 2000s. Uh, the U.S. Census Bureau says that in October of 2023, last October, the IRS received 473,000 applications for new businesses. 154,000 of those were from a subset most likely to be new employers, meaning to have more than one employee, one employee being the business owner. And then, so this 154,000 of them uh, were most likely to have other employees as well. Uh, that's up 41% over October of 2019. The reason that's important is that in October, 2019, that was pre COVID, right? So there was, there was already way down. We said it hadn't recovered at that point. So it's up 41% since October of 2019. What's interesting here, and this may conflict with, with conservative, uh, economic numbers that you get, but the median net worth of households decreased from 39, decreased by 39% from 2007 to 2010 and increased by 36% from 2019 to 2022. So we all feel poorer because of inflation and inflation is outpacing all of this too. But why do we, you know, 2019, 2022, why was there such an increase in the net worth of households? Well, the congressional stimulus money did a lot of that. Uh, so are we roaring along here like the authors of that study are talking about uh, or have the in my argument is that the indicators have been disconnected due to covid. So now they don't necessarily predict the same things they predicted before. Um, you know, it's possible that there are legions of people that are frustrated and venturing out on their own, starting their own companies. And, and we'll hit this a little bit in the closing thoughts. Um, but that it's not like, hey, the economy is so awesome, like the, the authors here are saying, based on this data. It's not that the economy is awesome and everybody feels so great to go out and start new businesses, but that, of course, COVID may have frustrated some people and they walked away from their jobs and started their own jobs. Uh, 
So the change in annual business establishment entries, right? So, uh, you know, basically starting a new business, 2019 to 2022. Let's look at different countries. And the fact that it's up in most of these countries probably indicates that COVID had something to do with it and all the worldwide lockdowns. U.S. is up 34%. Belgium's up 25%. Okay, I'm, I'm going in descending order here, okay? So the U.S. is the top of this list. Uh, and Italy will be way down at the bottom of this list that I'm giving you. But this is the, you know, essentially the growth in startup and new businesses that were created between 2019 and 2022. The U.S., of course, has long had that very individualist, independent mentality of, you know, I do this on my own. I can go do this. I can create something and I can make it work. So U.S. businesses are up 34 uh, percent in creation during that time. Belgium's up 25 percent. France is up 23 percent. Netherlands are up 16 percent. UK is up 16%. Canada is up 10%. Sweden is up 9%. Norway is up 8%. Spain is up 6%. Germany, which was heavily crippled by the lockdowns, uh, is only up 0.1%. And Italy is down 12%. So Italy is down 12%. So I'll I'll get back to this a little bit in the closing thoughts. Um, But there's some interesting data for you. All right, to the Patriot Brain Line. Uh, Chris from Washington. said, and he's responding to the student loan stuff that I talked about here today, but on our locals community, we talked about it a little bit um, over the over the last few days. So we, we sometimes have discussions on the locals community um, before we ever hit the show. So that's why he's responding to something I'm talking about today uh, with his Patriot Brainline question as we talk about it. Good timing. Chris from Washington State, making loans readily available in most cases drives up prices. Universal medical insurance coverage, for example, is bound to drive up, drive prices up. It floods the demand side with cash. This does nothing to enhance the value of the thing being purchased. I think lending for education should be linked to market demand. If there is a high demand for engineers, for example, make loans for engineering degrees accessible. If demand is low for history majors, reduce loan availability. It looks to me as though much of the student debt crisis is driven by people borrowing large sums of money in pursuit of a degree of relatively low value. Car loans and real estate loans are linked to the value of the item being purchased. Why not student loans? Uh, Thank you, Chris, for your thoughts. Uh, Having spent time in higher education admissions, uh, I want to point out that your idea and your sentiments make a lot of sense. Uh, To David from, uh, or Patriot Brainline, we're going to move on to David from Kansas City. What role influence do you think RFK is going to play in the election? Well, uh, I looked it up um, January 17th to 18th uh, was when the poll was conducted in 2024. Uh, Real Real Clear Politics shows that the Harvard-Harris poll for the general election that looks at Trump versus Biden versus Kennedy has Trump at 44 percent, Biden at 36 percent, Kennedy at 21 percent. So that doesn't factor in the electoral map. Um, That's that would be across the nation, the popular vote. Right. Um, But what I think that shows to me is that Kennedy is definitely pulling from Biden, not from Trump. Because Trump's numbers are pretty stable. So I think what Kennedy does is if RFK is in the election as a third party candidate, uh, he is going to um, help Trump get elected, probably. Uh, similarly to that, I'm going to move to Gurley920 from Tennessee, who sent me an article saying that uh, Trump RFK beats Biden with over 60%. Uh, so that would appear to be the case with some of the polls that. Like this, they, they looked at the same poll in this article that they sent, the same poll that I'd already looked at to answer David's question, um, but it's additive. So uh, they, they cited a, a number of polls in the Gateway Pundit, 
pundit article that girly920 sent me um but none of them have them pulled together as a ticket like trump rfk together um would you vote for them over joe biden and kamala harris so that you can't just add the numbers of what rfk gets by himself and what trump gets by himself together right so in that poll that we're looking at with trump 44 percent biden 36 percent kennedy 21 percent if you add trump and kennedy you get 65 percent um to biden's 36 percent by that same rationale you could add biden to kennedy and you could get 57 percent biden 44 percent trump but it doesn't work that way the polling is specific to um, what the question was asked at that time and how you would look at the package together. Um, so anyway, so I, I don't think that um, we can just add them together. I, I don't think a Trump RFK ticket makes any sense. Uh, they've got very different policies. RFK is a wildly progressive individual and he has a long history of that. And so whatever middle road he kind of tries to pretend like he's going to play for a while, it's not going to take long to ask him progressive type questions and get progressive answers out of him. And he certainly would, would not govern as anything less than a very extreme progressive. So I don't think that makes any sense uh, for Trump to match up with him. Uh, also, it would, it would I wouldn't want to give any incentive for Trump to be removed. Right. You don't want a, a vice president that, that that anybody wants more than the president. <laughs> uh, and that was something that, you know, when Trump selected Pence originally, I thought that was a great pick. I said, well, Trump or Pence is at least at the time, appeared to be extremely conservative. He is very conservative, extremely conservative, more so than Trump, who hadn't dis- hadn't uh, demonstrated his um, conservative nature at that point. He would just claim to be a conservative after having been a Democrat for so many years. And so, you know, the, the Democrats wouldn't want to take Trump out and end up with Pence. So Trump had protected himself in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, we need a very we need a more conservative vice president as a failsafe from the Democrats trying to impeach impeach Trump as president again. Uh, thank you to everybody who sent me stuff. Thank you to Chris from Washington State, uh, David from Kansas City, Missouri, and Girly920 from Tennessee. Thank you to all of you uh, with our nationwide audience uh, sending me things on the Patriot Brain Line. I appreciate it. Uh, you can get to me on the Patriot Brain Line. You can voice message me through Spotify for podcasters. You can engage with the show through Truth Social and Locals or email me at the email address listed on my website, theconservativesocialpsychologist.com. You can also comment. You don't have to voice message me through Spotify for podcasters. You can comment on Spotify uh, as well. You can uh, independent podcasts thrive with private investments that offset the time and financial costs of equipment, software, writing, producing, editing, and on-air talent. Please consider supporting My Patriot Brain with a small monthly donation. You can use the support button on the Spotify for Podcasters page or the support this podcast URL in the show description on your other listening platforms. Thank you for listening. We're strong together. Now it's time for my closing thoughts. Entrepreneurship is roaring back. The internet, cloud services, email, and video communications have made it easier than ever to start a business. Note that I didn't say to start a successful business. The authors of the study uh, admitted that all the metrics they look at uh, don't favor, don't factor in a successful or profitable or surviving business. Just that one started. Uh, it's just that people are trying to start a business. That's all that they're they're capturing with these metrics. In today's post COVID economy, it's hard to use past predictors to predict future results without taking the major pandemic economic event into account. It's definitely interesting to list to look at this data. It's definitely interesting to try to project from it. Um, but for all of you new entrepreneurs out there in a crowded marketplace, I wish you the best of luck. Keep fighting and building our economy. Until I catch you next time, play hard and have fun. Listen to My Patriot Brain on Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. 
Follow me on True Social, Locals, Rumble, and YouTube. Check out my other content at theconservativesocialpsychologist.com.